Thank you for joining the Self-Care Doc Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Brown. Today, we're going to continue the conversation with Dr. Janice and Colin. talk about something that did not come up in the what is a man what is a woman uh expectations does it start with an s it starts with an s oh boy and let's talk about sensitivity yes is what we're going to talk about. thank you janice get your head out of the gutter <laughs> right I she actually does a lot yes. of sex therapy so. yeah. well no but seriously i think um relationship wise outside of relationship wise there's a uh, hundred different connotations and a hundred different anecdotal um, ideas around sex and what the male perspective is and what the female's perspective is. So I'm going to throw something out there and I just want to hear you two rap about where the role is. Yeah. Not beatbox. So, um, that the was, idea that was my is, rapping, by yeah, the way. it was terrible. Yeah. We'll I'm, I'm, edit that I'm, out. I'm a straight up rapper. Yes. Uh, when you said sex, Dr. Brown shifted his nonverbal language and moved to the edge of his chair. Is he by nervous? By the way, did I? Yes. Don't judge me. Sit back you're, in your you're, chair. You're a guest <laughs> right now, Janice. <laughs> yes. So, but really, okay. I so, have a cold, Janice. Let's okay. Let's let's address. Um, I think what I've heard a million times and. Uh, to men, sex is more physical. To women, it's more emotional. Um, why or why not is that true? And what is the individual role of man and woman when we talk about sex? Well, if we look at generalizations here, and again, I say this a lot when I'm here, but this is generalization. It keeps us out of the courtrooms, so yeah, keep the generalized statements. Yes, <laughs> yes. but uh, for many men, if things aren't going well in the relationship, you know, I kind of describe it as, you know, right now the relationship is kind of like sandpaper. We're not getting along very well. It's just kind of like, eh, eh, eh. or if we've had an argument. Was, was that your, was was that sandpaper? Yes. E -E -E? Yeah. E -E -E. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like. <laughs> well, you know, when they can't see us, I talk with my hands a lot. You, you sure do. That's why we're recording the video for today, because oh. this is entertaining. Okay. <laughs> All right. So anyway. Back to your sandpaper. Yes. Back to the sandpaper. Or maybe you and I had like quite the stinking argument this morning. I mean, hello, we were on fire. Okay. Many times men will want to have sex. They'll initiate sex. Typically the woman is thinking, are you barking mad? Have you lost your marbles? Why are you even coming in my zone. I wow. just love your Janicisms. Are you barking mad? Mm -hmm. Sorry. No, I love them. Like, like we need like to keep a list of these these Janicisms. Okay, so that is typically how men will respond many times. Is if we have sex, then that's going to make things better. Women tend to, and I'm generalizing. Women tend to want to have things worked out and feel more emotionally connected before we go to sex. And when I'm talking sex, I'm talking more intercourse and things that are um, much more intimate.
from that side because sure. I really look at sex like a big umbrella, mm-hmm. you know, where holding hands, giving you a little sticky note that sure. says, I love you, whatever. Kind whatever. Of the, the intimacy of it. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The, the only thing I would, and I, I agree with everything you just said there, um, but I think men, when they're in conflict, oftentimes they want that physical connection as a reminder that, hey, we're going to be okay. And I think they need that validation. And I think so often, yeah, there's the physical side. And I've heard, uh, I think it's Jimmy Evans. He's got a uh, marriage program called Marriage on the Rock. Uh, it's a very Christian-based kind of programming. And he says, you know, uh, women are like this this oven where you've got to preheat the oven. You've got you've to really make sure that it's working the right way. And then it's a slow cooking process. And men are very much a microwave. You just hit a couple buttons. And, you know, there's so much truth to that. Yes. And yet yes. I think it's, it's, it's a very, it's a kind of a gross overgeneralization, um, which actually there's a lot of value or truth to it as well. But I think when men feel that they are doing things well, they won't pressure as much. When they feel like they're meeting their spouse's needs or their partner's needs in, in so many different ways, they'll, uh, they'll actually feel more valued. They'll feel more pursued. And I think that's one of the big things that makes men come across as these kind of sex fiends, these sex hounds, is they're not being pursued, but they're not doing anything that's worthy of being pursued. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they're not, they're not, yeah, you get my point there. I'm not saying they're not doing anything. I hate absolutely. So is what you're saying, what I just heard. I don't know what the hell I'm saying. No, 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 all because that that's, no. that's really interesting. So what I, what I heard was you're saying that maybe in a sense, deep down, Sex is more emotional for men than what anybody actually understands because it's it's a blind, unconscious validation of who they are. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely, yeah, very, very much so. Dr. Janice, I would say in my practice, I would say that is absolutely true sometimes, and sometimes (laughs) it's not. I wish I could say, you know, it, it just. You've never been a man, Janice. No, I have not, and that is a very important thing. Truly, truly. but I have seen where, you know, that is their way of, you know, fixing things. For sure. And uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're pretty clear about that, and that makes them feel secure. Sure. And in the confidence, too. Correct. Yeah. If I can yes. pleasure my partner, then I'm doing something right right now. Right. Yeah. Right. But what tends to happen when we walk that out is if they have sex, many times in, I'm generalizing, in the man's mind, it's fixed. Makes everything okay. Yes. Right. And, and they don't understand that at, at some point, just because you had sex, that doesn't take all the emotional issues that you are, you know, you're forgetting about. It's almost like a line in the sand um, and saying, okay, we had this struggle, but we had sex. So that means that that we're good because sex is emotional for women. And if she was okay having sex and that means all that other stuff doesn't really matter anymore. So Dr. Brown, given that, what advice would you give to men in regards to how to work through these issues? Um, I, I, I I love this. I'm going to tie this back to our, our, this last month of conversations uh, with men and women. Because I think one of the things that really stood out to me is men overwhelmingly during those conversations talked about how they didn't grow up with that strong, so many times didn't grow up with that strong kind of uh, fatherly kind of what what it means to be a man example. The father was working. Maybe the father was an alcoholic. Maybe the father uh, was just a jackass. 
Uh, maybe they were absent. And so they struggled to find that kind of masculinity, that, that true kind of uh, self-value, self-worth, that, uh, that, that confidence. And so they grow up, they try to figure it out. And oftentimes I think they would gravitate towards multiple sexual partners trying to find that confidence. And going to your points, kind of back and forth here, um, it, the, almost that primal nature of what is a man's job to procreate? What is a man's job to conquer? you know, to some of these kind of misogynistic mindsets. And so what came out of those podcasts, though, I, that I loved was men showed this vulnerability during those times and said, I didn't have this, and so I've been trying to trip through and figure it out. When on the flip side, women talked about how they had these amazing fathers that were loving, that were encouraging, and that's not across the board. We know there's horrible fathers out there. We know there's so many travesties and traumas that happen. But to hear the women talk about how they had this example and naturally, and you've heard the phrase that, uh, you know, women marry a guy like their father, um, for better or worse, I think. Um, and so these women had this experience, this example of this is what a father and what a husband, and what a man should be, but the men didn't know how to do that and how there's this kind of disconnect and why there are so many struggles in relationships today. And we've seen that gener generationally, how that's changed as well. And so the women have this comfort and this, this happiness and the men have this insecurity and they don't know how to be better, and yet society tells them, oh, no, just suck it up and, and man up, you know, just make sure you're a provider. And yet fathers struggle with parenting then as well, and this kind of this generational sin that goes on for time and time again. So the next question for me is, like, this is obviously uh, interesting. It didn't come up at all during any of the conversations that we've had over the last month. So that would indicate to me that maybe this is a difficult subject for people to talk about. Um, what I'm hearing is, is there are so many different viewpoints and opinions, and sex is such an important, intimate, vulnerable thing. How do men and women talk about what sex means to them and, and make that a common practice um, so that there isn't that confusion or there isn't that hurt that comes with... Um, with this idea of, you know, sex being emotional versus physical? So many couples don't. Um, I think more couples do now than in the past. And I think a lot of it is social media um, with all kinds of different things that they put out there with se sexualization. I mean, certainly we are in such a hypersexualized society that it is awful. Yeah. I mean, you know, we sell chewing gum with sex and soda with sex. And Where the hell are you shopping? <laughs> <laughs> hey, watch a commercial, and, let me tell and you. And that's why I don't watch TV. Yes, <laughs> yes. And so, you know, it looks like everybody is, you know, having, you know, this high, hot, hell of a lot sex, and that's not reality for most people. Now it is for some. So then... You know, you're seeing things all around of how sex is, quote, supposed to be. The couple's orgasms at the exact same time and magic. And again, that is not typical. And when you get into vulnerability, as you said, you know, the sexual self is the most vulnerable self. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't walk down Dodge Street naked as a jaybird going, woohoo, baby, mm -hmm. because, you know, we are. <laughs> Want those now, you, now you just gave Colin ideas. Yeah, I was like, like that money. sounds like something I'm going to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're because, going streaking through the quad. Yes, yeah. because those, you know, those are things that are private. 
And over the years, couples will talk about everything under the sun, bills. Uh, I just can't even tell you the things I'll talk about. But when it comes to sex, bzz, man, mom is the word. Yep, they this, do not say anything. Yeah, this goes there and that's it. Yes. Like, we don't need to discuss it. We just need to experience it. I used to, I, I do uh, quite a bit of public speaking. And one of the talks I used to do back in the day was uh, just the idea of, uh, may I kiss you? And it's this idea of just because you're dating somebody, you know, you take that for what it's worth, but early on in a relationship, uh, maybe the first date even, what gives you the right to just plant a kiss on the person? Mm-hmm. You know, a more respectful approach is by saying, uh, looking at them saying, you know, I've had a really amazing time tonight, you know, and I really, I would love to kiss you. Would you be okay with that? Now, yes. some people would say, oh, well, that's not very romantic. No, it's respect. And that's what it's focused on is it's a partnership. Yes. It's give and take. And I want to show you that I see your value and your body is yours. Mm-hmm. I don't want to violate that. I want to honor that. Mm-hmm. And so I think when we do that, I mean, the amount of intimacy that's built in something like that, being able to have those conversations about sex and, uh, you know, sensate focus is kind of a sex therapy concept of, you know, with clients sometimes when they're struggling with intimacy, I'll have them just take baby oil and just rub it on their their partner's hand for five minutes, five minutes. And just to notice the, the, the parts of their hand, just to notice like the, the veins, just to get to know in a non-sexual way their partner all over again mm-hmm. and to have that kind of vulnerability uh, to do a massage that's not not focused on trying to have sex afterwards, mm-hmm. to just sit there. And John Gottman talks about the five magic minutes, sitting on the couch with no technology and you just sit together. You can talk if you want, but you don't have anything else distracting you. Just that intimacy Couples struggle just to find five minutes yes. because they're watching. Oh, we watch our shows together. Well, that's stupid. If you're watching your shows together, that's great. Schedule time place after you've invested in the time together first. Oh, well, we talk when I'm making dinner. No, sit and be focused on each other. That's where the intimacy happens. The research will show this, that if you want to build the intimacy in your relationship, get them thinking about you when you're not around. You know, I had I, uh, sent flowers to a girl um, and, uh, I was so excited. I was like, Oh, this is I, cause I knew the research and I'm playing into it. Of course, manipulation, but it's positive manipulation. And, um, and I've got a whole spiel about that. Um, and so uh, I sent these flowers and thinking, Oh, she's going to be at work. She's going to see these flowers and it's going to be exciting. She's anytime she's at work, she's going to think about me and yay, go me. And she brought them back, uh, to my house and said, well, I said, well, why, why'd you bring the flowers home? Uh, or or why would you, you bring the flowers here? And she says, well, I just wanted, you know, your kids and everybody to see what you got for me. And I was like, no, I wanted you to think about me when I wasn't around. Now they're going to they're gonna be dead in a week. I think she won the manipulation because she, she knew you would have to send them every day now. <laughs> That's probably oh true. Goodness. That's hilarious. Yeah, it, flowers are funny. I'm right. glad you brought this up because Valentine's Day is quickly ac- approaching. And flowers are beautiful. I want to Especially when you pay three or four times the amount just for one day. Yes, yeah. yes. But getting to know the person is so important because over the years, and certainly when I was dating a million years ago here, um, if someone really knew me, they would not get me flowers, period. They would not get me flowers on Valentine's Day. And I cannot tell you how many people I have dated that would still get me flowers because... With what I do for a living, flowers tend to be a 
oh, I screwed up. Here are your flowers. Everything's mm-hmm. forgiven. Um, they just, uh, no, flowers just have a <laughs> negative thing for me. So now that I'm kind of, you know, in a different place in space, it's going to be going to be interesting how that all falls because are you listening or are you not listening? Yeah. And that is a very big deal. Some people love flowers and flowers are gorgeous. I love them. I just don't want you delivering flowers to me. So keep them to yourself, Dr. Brown, and enjoy them. Yes. Well, and if you're anybody listening, right, and go, oh, no, now I don't know what to do in two weeks for Valentine's Day. Don't just listen to this episode. Continue listening to our February episode where we're going to talk about how to be non-traditional on Valentine's Day and all of that. So more to come on that. Yes. Nice shameless plug. That was well done. Ooh. Colin, welcome to the team. <laughs> One of the things, and I think this is a, um, a decent way to kind of transition uh, as, as we're moving you know, in t- along in this conversation is... Colin, before we jump into that, yeah. let me let me follow up with one other thing, uh, just about intimacy and the sex the sex concept. Yeah, um, I think we need to really understand the idea that sex is not. And I, I posted a video about this a while ago, and I got some hate mail from some people because I made the comment that sex is not, or true true intimacy and sex is not about the orgasm or getting off; it's about the experience and the journey. Absolutely. And I I stand by it. So all, all of right. you that send me hate mail, I don't care. Well, Put, put it on mine too. Right. Say, she agrees. So, right, yes. right. And so I think when we really look at that as that concept, you can have sex with a partner, like true intercourse, and not get off, and it's still sex. Yeah. It's still intimacy. But if you're so focused on you getting off, you orgasming, you're ignoring the fact that you're trying to also provide pleasure to your partner. And so when you are honoring each other in that way, like you become a selfless lover that's where real intimacy and love really flourishes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and uh, I, that's interesting you said that because I wonder of the people that sent hate mail, they're probably the same people that say in your professional life enjoy the journey, don't just wait for the end goal. You know, it's the same concept. You learn so much in the process, and you know, being goal oriented. Um, I think is a good thing to have goals. But if you're only focused on the end goal, it's such a moment. It's just, it's literally right now is when you reach the goal and now it doesn't matter if you're only focused on the goal. Yeah, right? it's, it's like living a life and just focusing on your death. How much mm-hmm. do you learn through the process of anything you're, you're setting out to achieve? And in sex, if that's orgasm and you're setting out to achieve that in your partner or in yourself, yeah. if that's all you're focused on, you're not listening to what you're learning throughout the process about who that person is, what they like, what their body likes. Yeah. What, again, again, that communication style. Absolutely. And, and I'm glad you said that right there because I, I want to clarify that. Um, your goal should not be on just getting your partner to reach orgasm because then there's this unhealthy expectation. Right. It's about experiencing this moment together. It's experiencing just the, the that intimacy. And I, you've heard me said this be- say this before, that if you can't laugh during sex, then you're doing it with the wrong person. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's such an important key because uh, Ro- uh, Robin Williams used to have a skit about how sex is this just completely silly thing where you're in these moments of these, these throws of passion and excitement and just intimacy, and then all of a sudden you reach orgasm and turn into freaking goofy. <laughs> <Right>. You know, <laughs> you're like, oh boy, that's so much fun. You yeah. know, and I think that's uh, that was a really bad goofy impression, but. Wasn't the best. Uh, thanks. <laughs> he has a cold. Yeah, that's the thank you. <laughs> and I think that's the idea is we've got to be able to 
uh, understand that sex is not the point of a relationship. It's a thing to, uh, to, to uh, amplify what's already there. It's a way to experience and express uh, a part of the relationship differently. Mm -hmm. um, but the core of it is the communication, the respect, the value that we actually bring to it and we actually offer to our partners. Mm -hmm. So thank you for uh, allowing me that opportunity yeah. there. So let's, let's break it down at the last four are, are we weeks, wrapping again? Let's yeah, break it down. Let's break. Yeah, okay. yeah. The last four weeks, we've we've had this pretty enlightening and amazing conversation, right? Um, one that's not had um, in a lot of different circles. Um, and I think throughout each episode, Dr. Brown, you asked a question, and you asked um, what it is that a man needs from a woman, and then you asked what it is that a woman needs from a man. And so we have uh, two individuals on, on the show that deal with this day in and day out. Um, if I can ask you to think over all of your years of, of practice and all the couples and all the humans and all the men that you've seen and all the women that you've seen, um, can I ask each of you kind of generally, what is it that a man needs and then what is it? that a woman needs from the opposite sex? I think the biggest thing that pops into my mind right there is appreciation. Um, it's knowing that what you do makes a difference. You know, and even in, in the business world, um, the things that make a, a primary thing that makes a person leave a, a company is not always the pay. It's not always the boss or the coworkers, the culture. It's do I feel like what I bring to the table is actually valued? And I think in a relationship it's very similar. You know, does my partner, uh, do they value me? Do they, uh, do they believe in me? Do they believe in what I do? You know, if I had a partner that didn't believe in uh, my passion and my excitement and my love for what I do professionally, uh, or uh, be able to look at me and be, and be able to see how much I love my kids by how I'm interacting and actually provide that for me, I wouldn't be in that relationship. So I think that's a part of it. But it's also somebody, and I've talked about this in some, some other venue, it's somebody that also allows you to fail gracefully. You know, if I do something as a partner and my ego, again, is, is so much so that I don't even ask your opinion on something and you, or even if I do and I just don't listen to you, somebody that's going to allow me to go ahead and go forward with that, maybe throw a couple of warning shots, just caution, love shots. Um, but if I still continue to go down that path and I just completely tank, that they're still there, not to shame me and say, ha ha, I told you so, but they're there to say, baby, you know what? We're here. You know, I got you. We're together in this. Brene Brown is, is I think, a brilliant, brilliant mm -hmm. uh, provider. Um, and one of the things, I mean, it's Dr. Brown. I mean, she's got to be brilliant, right? Uh, <laughs> ego, ego, ego. Mm -hmm. I should have to have a button that says ego, ego, ego. Um, but her, her idea is you can't always bring a hundred percent to a relationship. Sometimes you might only have 50% to give and you go to your partner, you communicate, say, Hey babe, I got 50% I can give. Can you cover some of it? Or even only 10%. You exactly. Give. Yeah. It's and so it's not, can you cover all of it? Sometimes it's, can you add some to this? Cause I just, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I don't have it. And I think when we look at it that way, it's such a brilliant concept that it is about that homeostasis. It is about that sharing and that partnership we've talked about this. If you focus on the love in a relationship, you will likely not be successful. But if you focus on the partnership, love will always develop. Well, and I'd, I'd like to add one thing right there because 
and I, I don't think it was done intentionally, but I think it, it, it is, well, if you only have 50% or 40%, we look at this balance in a relationship. But the reality is there's going to be days where the only thing you can do and the only thing you have strength to do is get out of bed. Right. And that's mm-hmm. your 1% or your 2% day. Yeah. Yes. And you have to understand that you have to be able to look at somebody else and say, I can't do this today. Right. And this is where I'm at. But on the same token, you have to be able to look at somebody else and say, I see that you can't do this today. Yeah. And that's where you lean on me. I think that's what I'm hearing you say, yeah, Dr. Brown. Absolutely. And, and I think in those situations, sometimes the greatest thing we can do there is not try to fix our partner. And so many people that we try to fix each other. But sometimes the greatest things you can do is encourage them to get the help that they maybe need. We There's licensed professionals. We do this for a living. Um, and it, it's a, uh, I remember I said to, uh, uh, to my ex-spouse that, um, I was encouraging her, there were some different things going on and I kept saying, you know, maybe going, may, have you tried this? Have you thought about this book? And, you know, uh, you know, maybe go talk to somebody and nothing was making a difference. And then finally down the road, she started seeing somebody. And after a few weeks, she came back and she said, you know, I was talking to my, my, my therapist and this is what we were talking about. And it just, it makes so much sense. And I'm sitting here like. I've been saying this shit for so many years and I'm so angry internally, but I remember looking and saying, hey, I'm so glad. That, I mean, that makes sense. I'm so glad that's that's working because it's not about the information all the time. It's, sometimes it's about how it's said or the timing of how it's said and are they prepared to receive it. And as a partner, if you try to provide the information, that's not your job. Your job is to support them, to love them, to encourage them, but not to make them accountable to you. Right. And I am guilty of that also. I think when, as you were doing in that relationship, you know, when you know these things in your mind, you can't unknow them. Right. And so, you know, you're hearing this and it's just kind of this automatic and to turn that off can be very difficult. And annoying for the partner, I'm sure. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. You tell me you were wrong. Oh,